Hey everybody, this is Jody, and you're listening to the Bethel Sundridge Podcast, Sermon of the Week. We are so glad to have you listening with us today. We pray that while you listen to this week's podcast, that it will strengthen your faith, bring hope to your situation, and a passion for God's presence in your life like you've never experienced before. Connect with us at BethelSundridge.com or find us at Bethel Sundridge on all social media platforms. Enjoy this week's podcast. Well, so glad you're here with me this morning. You braved the elements. You suffered through the cold. It's going to warm up, I hear, so something to look forward to. Already it is warmed up. So when I checked my phone last, it was minus 16. It's already minus 14. So good news. It's getting warmer. We'll survive. Just draw your attention to a couple of the announcements. First and foremost, if you have the church app, the Tithely app, they're all on your phone under events. So if you don't have it and you need to know how to get it, Feel free to talk to either Jen and myself. We can put it on your phone, unless it's a flip phone, and then you're out of luck. Good luck. <laughs> but uh, there's a few things. The first one is coming up uh, January 23rd. So Tuesday, we have the Life Group Information and Training Sessions. I just want to encourage you. There is something so powerful about being a part of a small group. Um, it just adds such a depth and dimension to the Word of God, first and foremost. The insights shared by the people in your group, but also you get to do life together with another group. I, I've been so blessed because of our life group and, and the impact that they've had on our lives. And so I just encourage you, if you're curious, um, if you're thinking about it, uh, maybe if you're not thinking about it, you need to think about it. Tuesday night, come check it out. Uh, the other thing on Saturday, we have the Gather Games Night. I love the Games Night. This is a chance for... Uh, one of my family traits, competitiveness, to come on out into action, so we like to have fun. I'd encourage you, if you're looking for something to do, 7 o'clock here in the basement on Saturday, and then we have the Wings Night. I am so excited for the Wings Night. Uh, I, I was telling the first service, I had the chance to go to the Wing House in town here for the first time this week with Heather. Uh, Mom and Dad gave us a gift certificate for Christmas. Well worth it. It was good. But we would pack that place out. I don't know there'd be room for our group there. So we're going to North Bay uh, on the 31st. So meet here at the church. Uh, if you're interested in your guy, sign up at the back. And then the Youth Bethel Gym Night is coming up on, the, on Friday, February the 2nd. Those are always good times. And then the Super Bowl party. I saw, I saw Dan at the back sporting his Buffalo Bills shirt. We know who he's rooting for to get into the Super Bowl. So if you're a football fan or if you're a food fan, if you're a food fan, come. I've encouraged Heather to make twisters, so we're going to have good food. I know, I know. Oh, now Finn's in. If you haven't had twisters, you've got to come just for that experience. But hopefully you can... Uh, oh, and there's also uh, Wednesday Bible study uh, here in the morning uh, this week, weather permitting. They're calling for rain, apparently. Who knew? Well, before we get too far into the message, I have a question for you. Have you ever been in a bad situation where you felt trapped and powerless? Like you were in a prison with no way out? I know I have. Tell you a story. Uh, when Heather and I were first married, we were rich in love, but poor in money. <laughs> we had nothing. We survived off of homemade soup and tea biscuits and the generosity of our parents. Uh, that's the only reason we survived is that uh, Heather's, Heather's dad raised beef cattle, and so they would, uh, in exchange for helping butcher, we got beef. So we lived off of, of beef, homemade soup, and tea biscuits. Oh, and they had eggs and a, and a cow that produced some milk, and so that's how we survived. We had no money, and every time it felt like we were starting to get ahead a little bit, 
our car would break down or our roof would leak. And I figure, as long as you have a car, you have a place to put your money. I mean, not an investment <laughs> worth investing in. The good news is that we got so good at uh, diagnosing car problems because it broke down so frequently that I could tell what was wrong with the car. I just couldn't fix it. So that didn't help me a whole lot. But if your car's making a funny noise, I could probably tell you what it's from. Our tires were balder than I am. I mean, that's, um, in fact, I remember one time, for some reason, my car's tire wasn't holding air and, and ran my hand around it, and the belting was shining through. So technically, it had more hair than I did. But not a good experience. And again, put us back in the hole. And, and it was like this pit that we just couldn't seem to crawl out of. And eventually, we were set free from that. Now, I'm going to save that till the end, just to keep you on suspense. Well, we're going to dive in today, and again, the first two songs that Luke selected tie in so beautifully about this, because we're going to talk about a couple of guys in the Bible that were in a literal prison, not just a figurative prison, they were in a literal prison, and we're going to take a look at how their response to being in prison is the model that we can use in our lives when we find ourselves in those situations where we're in, when it feels like we're in prison. We're going to see how, yeah, their response is a good model for us, but more importantly, we're going to see that a, nothing is impossible for God. Amen. And B, God's way of intervening won't likely look like we expect it to. So before, let's, let's dive on in. If you want to turn with me, uh, Acts 16, it'll be on the back here behind me, uh, 16 to 34, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it says this. So this is Paul and Silas in prison. <clears throat> One day... As we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. I'm going to stop there for a second. I mean, that's pretty good promotional uh, advertisement there, but as you can see, it got a little annoying. It says, This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. And a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. That's my first point is, how did we end up in prison? You'll notice that Paul and Silas were just minding their own business. I mean, they were on mission for God. They were doing the thing that they were supposed to be doing, and yet somehow ended up in prison. And I think oftentimes... Our lives are similar. We're going around minding our own business, maybe even doing mission stuff. And we end up in a place where it feels like we are hopelessly lost. Through no fault of our own, and just like this was no fault of their own, they ended up in prison. According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, prison has two definitions. The first one is this. It's a state of confinement or captivity. And the second one, which is likely what we're more familiar with, a place of confinement, especially for lawbreakers specifically. An institution for confinement of persons convicted of serious crimes. So today we're going to take a look at that first definition because I think it applies to our lives. 
that sometimes it feels like we are in prison. What's your prison? For some of us, it's financial. For Heather and I, that was one of the prisons we were in, in a place of hopelessness and despair. I remember uh, going to pay for groceries and every time feeling that anxiety of, is my card going to get declined today? Like, are they going to tell me non-sufficient funds and now I have to leave? Uh, embarrassed? According to Leger uh, Marketing Poll last year in 2023, they found that 47% of Canadians live paycheck to paycheck. And according to Statistics Canada, 7.4% of Canadians live below the poverty line. 7.4% are living in poverty in our country. Maybe your prison is relational, a toxic relationship, or a, a disappointing relationship. The, you don't have to look too far to find some scary statistics. According to Statistics Canada, again, 44% of women aged 15 and older have reported some kind of abuse in their intimate partner relationship in Canada. Scary. 50%, approximately 50% of marriages end in divorce. Maybe your prison is addiction. Again, according to Statistics Canada, it's estimated that 21% of Canadians, or about 6 million people, will meet the criteria for addiction in their lifetime, alcohol being the number one at 18%. Or maybe it's an addiction to something else. Maybe your prison is physical health or illness. How many people do we know that one diagnosis away from feeling their world collapse around them and, and having nowhere to go? Or maybe it's mental health. According to the Center of, for Addictions and Mental Health, so CAMH, in any given year, one in five Canadians experience a mental illness. And by the time Canadians reach 40 years of age, one in two have or have had a mental illness. I apologize for being so depressing. It's not my intent. But my intent is this. I want you to know that if you look around a room of this size, based on those statistics alone, there's a good chance that someone in close proximity to you has or is currently feeling in a situation of hopelessness, feeling like they're in prison. The other thing I want you to know is you are not alone. And most importantly, I want you to know that God sees and cares, and God is still in the business of breaking us free from jail. Amen. Your response and your reaction to your situation matters. And that's where we're going to pick up the story again. Because we see that Paul and Silas set that example. So it says, verse 25, Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. And I'm going to stop there for just a second. So I've often wondered, what did their prayers look like? You know, so they're praying and singing hymns. So we'll get to that in a minute. But the thing I want to draw your attention to is people were watching. People are watching your reaction to your situation. So it matters. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. 
Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. My second point is this. We can choose our response in prison. Paul and Silas chose to pray and sing praises to God. Prayer and praise are powerful, powerful tools that God has given us. I, I have a suspicion that Paul and Silas's prayers weren't so much, woe is me, and God save us, as much as I think they were probably praying like David prayed. God, you see us, and you see this horrible situation. But remember, this was not Paul's first rodeo, or Paul's first prison. Paul was familiar with what God could do. And so my guess is they were saying, God, you've been faithful in the past, and I know you'll be faithful again. And I want you to just take a look at your own life. Take a look back at some of the prisons, the times where you felt that all hope was lost. And remember back to what God did to get you out of that situation. Because there's power in remembering what God can do for you. There's power in prayer and praise. There's a, a story that uh, Corey Ten Boom uh, tells. And, and Corrie Ten Boom was a, a Dutch Christian. During World War II, she lived in the Netherlands during the Nazi occupation. And Corey and her family um, were running Bible studies, and they chose to harbor uh, Jews, to hide Jews from the Nazis in their home. They built a special room, and uh, unfortunately, they got caught. And so Corey and her family ended up uh, in concentration camps. Her dad died within two weeks, but Corey and her sister Betsy ended up in the exact same concentration camp, in the Ravensbrück concentration camp. And while they were there, they were starting to feel anxious, and Betsy said to Corey, Corey, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 that you're to be, we're to be thankful in everything. What can we be thankful about? You know, and Corey said, I, I can't be thankful for the fleas. And because uh, the Co- Ravensbrook concentration camp was flea-infested, death-dealing place, a horrible place. And Betsy said, but we're together. And, and that's unusual. Most of the families had been separated into different concentration camps. So let's be thankful for that. And Corey said, okay, I will be thankful for that, but I cannot be thankful for fleas. Then they started noticing that their belongings weren't searched when they were taken to the barracks. And so miraculously, Betsy's Bible was still in her suitcase. And so she was able to break out her Bible, and they started to hold Bible studies while in, in their barracks. And they noticed that the guards never came into their barracks. They couldn't figure out why. Normally, in some of the other barracks, the guards would go in and and assault the prisoners. But they never set foot into their barracks. And they couldn't figure out why. And so they started to do Bible studies two times a day. And their prisoners started to come to faith in Jesus and move in the concentration camps. And then one day, they overheard the guards talking about how they wouldn't enter the barracks because of the fleas because they didn't want to get fleas on themselves. And so they learned to be thankful for fleas. Your attitude matters. I'll tell you a bit of 
my own flea story. Actually, I'll tell you a couple flea stories. <laughs> have you ever had fleas, a flea infestation? They are horrible. But I've noticed that there are some people that have a certain blood type that fleas love more. My daughter and my father-in-law seem to draw the fleas, which is great for the rest of us, because they would leave us alone and go to them. But it was horrible. And I imagine Corey Ten Boom was one of those people that just seemed to have that blood type, and they seemed to be drawn to her. Um, but I remember years ago, so it's not specifically fleas, but it's being thankful for a temper tantrum. Years ago, uh, Heather and I, it was when they had the Billy Graham crusade here in town, or actually in Burks Falls at, um, I think it was at the arena. And uh, they had these sessions, the leadership training sessions. And so Heather and I had gone to one of the leadership training sessions, and, and our daughters at the time had gone and spent the evening with my parents. As a grandparent now, you know, that's a pretty special time to have with your grandkids, and, and our job is to spoil them and make sure that life is fun. The problem is when it's time for them to go home, they don't always want to go home. And that's what happened that particular night. One of my daughters decided to throw a temper tantrum, and I said it, promised I wouldn't say who it was. But if you know my daughters, you could probably figure out which one it was. <laughs> Anyways, she threw a temper tantrum, and it made us late for bedtime. It, it took a lot longer. She refused to put her coat and shoes on. Um, and by the time she eventually did, we were late, and so we're on our way. We lived out the other side of South River, out Leighton Road. And we're driving along, and all of a sudden, we see lights flashing behind us. And suddenly, the police and the ambulance come flying by us, and they go out. I thought, well, that's odd. What had happened was, unfortunately, our next-door neighbor had chosen to take his life in between our house and his house. And had we been on time and had our daughter not had a temper tantrum, we would have been home to witness it. And God protected us because of a temper tantrum. And so afterwards, we thank God for the temper tantrum. There are times in our lives where things happen, and we may not be aware that that's what's keeping you safe. And I've had more than one of those occasions, and you probably have too. They say that God, I believe it was Einstein that said that um, coincidence is God's way of staying anonymous. And I think those events happen all the time. Be thankful for those times when you actually catch the good. It's hard to remember to be thankful and joyful in hard times, but our attitude is important. And I think that if we choose to honor God in difficult times, he brings a peace and wisdom that passes understanding. And people are watching. The prisoners are watching Paul and Silas in prison. And if you don't think that that had an impact, guess again, because I think that among the people in the jailer's house that came to faith in Jesus... I imagine there were a fair number of prisoners that saw what went down that night. Our response to our trials can be a witness to other people. My last point is this. God is more than able to set you free from your prison. So first, I want to draw your attention to the fact that God used an earthquake to free Paul and Silas. An earthquake. Those are not gentle experiences. Have, I don't, has anybody lived through an earthquake? You've lived through an earthquake. Okay. Okay. Not a time of joy, typically. More often a time of terror. My point is this. God, you may not appreciate God's escape plan in the moment. It might feel painful for you. Uh, there's a joke that goes like this. There's a fellow that was... Uh, stuck on his rooftop during a flood. 
and he was praying to God for help. Soon a man in a rowboat came by, and a, and a fellow shouted to the man on the roof, Jump in, I can save you. The stranded fellow shouted back, No, 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 it's okay. I'm praying to God, and he's going to save me. So the rowboat went on. Then a motorboat came by, and the fellow in the motorboat shouted, Jump in, I, I can save you. And the guy on the roof said, No, no, that's okay. I'm praying. I have faith that God is going to deliver me. So the motorboat went on. Then a helicopter came by, and the pilot shouted down, Grab this rope, and I'll lift you to safety. So the stranded man again replied, No thanks, I'm praying to God, and he's going to save me. I have faith. So the helicopter reluctantly flew away. Soon the water rose above the rooftop, and the man drowned. He went to heaven, and he finally got his chance to discuss the whole situation with God, at which point he exclaimed, I had faith in you, but you didn't save me. You let me drown. I don't understand why. To which God replied, I sent you a rowboat, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What more did you expect? <laughs> now I'll tell you about my earthquake story. If you remember back, so Heather and I were struggling to get out of the financial jail. And at the time, I was on the board here, and um, my dad was the pastor, and uh, he had a courageous conversation with me. He took me aside one day and said, Mike, you're a leader in the church. And the expectation is that you tithe. And I remember thinking, tithe? I can't even pay my grocery bill. Like, how in the world am I going to tithe? And, but uh, talked about it with Heather and, and, and felt convicted and so um, decided we were going we to give $20. And why 20 Because that's the smallest bill that the bank machine in the grocery store in South River would spit out at the time. So we, we took out a 20 and gave the 20 that next week. And, and we did that faithfully for a couple of weeks, and miraculously, I got a promotion at work. And so we decided to double down. We, we put in $40, because again, 20 is the lowest denomination that the bank machine at the time was spit out, and took out $40, put it in an envelope, and I remember thinking, God, I, I have no idea how you're going to provide, but you've provided so far. So here we go. And again, miraculously, I got a promotion at work. And, and $40 wasn't so painful anymore. And, and it just continued to grow and grow and grow until eventually. And, and it didn't, sometimes there were moments where God would place on my heart, or often, more often than not on Heather's heart, because she was a little more obedient, I suppose, which is a miracle. But uh, <laughs> often there were times where we had special guests and... and she said, Mike, I feel compelled to put in this amount. And I'm like, I don't know how we're going to survive the week. And yet we do, and God would provide. And we quickly learned that you can't outgive God. And that God, that was painful for us. It was a hard message to hear. But my earthquake set us free. And so I don't know what your earthquake is today. I don't, know, I don't know what your prison is today. I don't know where you're at. Maybe things are going really, really well for you. Maybe you're not in a position where you feel hopeless or lost. And you're on the other side. If that's you, I want to challenge you to come along some, uh, alongside somebody who still feels like they're in prison. Because they're all around you. In this place, I guarantee you, there are people today that feel like they are stuck in a prison with no hope. 
they have hope in, in God, but they're not sure how they're going to pay the bills or they're not sure about that diagnosis or how they're going to get back and forth to the hospital or what they're going to do about that relationship. And they need somebody to help them. Today, my challenge to you is be that person. But if you're in a prison today and you're not sure where to go, my encouragement to you is this. You might be one prayer, one praise, or one earthquake away from freedom. So don't give up. Remember the victories that you've had in the past and thank God for those victories. Don't give up on asking for a solution. But don't overlook your solution because it looks like an earthquake. Because it feels uncomfortable. Because maybe that's the thing that God's going to use to set you free. Maybe it's going to be a difficult message like I had. Or maybe it's going to be, I'm not sure what. But God is faithful. He still breaks those chains today. So as we wrap up, I'm, we're way early. The good news is that means you've got more time to pray. We're going to pray. And if you feel like you're stuck and you need a breakthrough solution today, I would encourage you, come on up. The altar's open. If you want to come and pray with somebody, come and pray. If you want to go, feel free. When we're done praying, you can go home. But I'm going to challenge you. Look for an opportunity to be a blessing to someone else. Look for an opportunity to help soften the blow of the earthquake. Would you stand with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are still in the prison-breaking business. God, we, we ask that you would help us to remember the times where you've set us free in the past. God, I pray that you would move in our lives. Lord, that, that if we're experiencing a prison, that you would set us free. God, help us to identify the earthquake for the blessing that it is. God, we pray that through our lives, our lives would be a testimony to other people of your, your saving grace and your greatness. God, as we sang earlier this morning, you never fail. You are so faithful. And so we thank you for your faithfulness. God, today I pray that you would just set us free from those prisons. You'd break those chains and open those doors. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. You are so great, so worthy of our praises. Lord, no one compares to you. And so today we, just, we ask that you would move in our lives. Lord, help us to see where you're working. Help us to be joyful for the fleas in our lives. Lord, we just give you all the glory and honor that's due your name.